On today's podcast, we talk about the number one silent killer of success, the three ways in which we do it. So now you can label them. And I promise it is 22-ish minutes, but it is straight content, straight to the meat and straight to those distinctions. So without further ado, let's get into the show. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast, where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George Show, and today we're going to make it one of those George quick kick to the shins because this one tickles, and I have a lot to share. We're going to talk about the number one silent killer of success, and this is a Harvard psychologist that gives us the medicine that just anchors in a whole lot of things that I've said or heard or learned in a more succinct way, a model and a label to just empower us to be able to navigate the field and stay focused on putting those inputs inconsistently for that vision or those dreams that we have in our life. And it's so interesting because like on my heart right now, I feel like I have 877 things to share. And I just realized in this moment, my Instagram is the best place because every morning I've been waking up in my quadrants, you know, the quadrants that we use inside of the Alliance to create our vision, create our results. And Quite frankly, I'm glad I took my own advice and I've been using them for a year and I've made some adjustments to them and even how I use them and the results have been incredible. But every morning, I've just felt called to share my breakthroughs or my breakdowns and I've been posting them on Instagram and on Facebook, but Instagram seems to be the place that I really just feel called to share. And so if you would like to see the dailies of those breakdowns and those thoughts and scriptures and the videos and my raw process, my Instagram stories or Instagram is going to be the best place. And so if you are not on Instagram, please make your way over there. The Instagram handle is it's George Bryant. The it's is included. And I had two friends this morning tell me that they don't see my stuff. And so I told them how to adjust their feed to make sure that it pops up. And so if that's you, if you want it, I would love nothing more than to be in there with you, to be in DMs with you, to be in conversation, to be in relationship with you. And with that, that's two minutes enough of me hitting fluff and let's get right into the meat because this one tickles and I'm going to read it to you. Because truth here is I have this belief that a lot of these things that we learn give us the ability to recognize patterns, to recognize subconscious behaviors, to recognize where we've said things like my mentor, Simon, um, Bowen says is that we never choose to self-sabotage. We simply behave our way away from it. And I recognized in my life for so long that I would behave away from it because I didn't recognize what I was doing. I didn't see the patterns. I didn't see the distinctions. And now I get why all of my teachers and myself included are so obsessed with changing how we think. It's really having these reminders when things happen to catch them consciously to make adjustments. And so this article is absolutely incredible talking about what this author, and I'll read their name when I open it, calls psychological avoidance. And they say it is the number one killer of success. And I will say that I 100% wholeheartedly agree because I have committed every single one of these things 
repeatedly and every one of them leads to pain. And every time I've caught them, adjusted them, and worked with them, it leads to nothing but positivity or progress. And so I got to share because anxiety, discomfort, overwhelm, all of the things, life, business, changing, team, clients, like they're the guarantee. They're a part of the game, but they're not enemies. The number one killer is how we react to them. And so it's not that the information is bad or that the situation is bad. The situation itself is neutral. It's just information. And I posted on Instagram a few weeks ago as perspectives, the difference between your prison and your power. And that's something that lands and tickles for me. But it's really our reactions and being able to stay conscious of them that allows us to make these adjustments to make sure that we're planting the seeds of the garden we want in our future instead of going to that garden that was old, 10 years old and throwing seeds in there where it's arid, dry, doesn't get water and expecting it to grow. And so this article shares like the three common signs of what they call psychological avoidance and how to handle them. So the three of them that they talk about are retreating, reacting, and remaining. <laughs> retreating, reacting, and amazing, uh, remaining. And so just so you know, we'll have the link to this posted in the show notes. And I highly, highly recommend that you read it if this doesn't land or you need to read it along. But I'm going to break this down because it's a beautiful article. It's well-written. It's loaded with a distinction and then an action item on how to navigate it, right? And so this Harvard psychologist <laughs> observed this struggle and doing 20 years of research and clinical work, he talks about how psychological avoidance is any response to a perceived threat that brings immediate emotional release, relief, but comes with long-term consequences. Let me say that again. Psychological avoidance is any response to a perceived threat that brings immediate emotional relief, but comes with long-term consequences. And when I read that, it reminded me of a scripture statement that I wrote for myself years ago where I said, never allow temporary feelings to create permanent undesirable results. And to the point where we even have a model in the alliance called the SOS, because this trap that we're talking about, that psychological avoidance, cost me one particular day multiple six figures in revenue because I believed a story that I didn't have all the information with and I allowed it to adjust my behaviors and I showed up for some calls and some client calls and some deals that I lost because of my emotional dysregulation and I was really reacting heavily in the lens of this. I wasn't retreating, I wasn't remaining, I was reacting and that was my flavor. And then at the end of all of it, when I thought my whole day was ruined, everything was in the pooper, I called the attorney and they basically said everything was handled and what I had had a meltdown over <laughs> and caused massive permanent damage, including very much damaging a relationship and then having to spend years with myself, figure out where it came from to repair it. And now we are nothing but incredible and great. But I allowed a temporary feeling to create massive, massive, permanent, undesirable results. And I learned that lesson so hard, I made a model about it. And so these things just feel like they give me so much more power and labels. And I also love the alliteration that there's three R's and it fits into a perfect model because that's how my brain works. And so let's break these down. Number one is retreating. Okay. And I'm just going to read the author's words because they do a way better job than I do. If you've come face to face with a lion, your first instinct might be to run. But in our daily lives, retreating is more subtle. 
and this one tickled. You might attempt to retreat from anxiety by having a glass of wine to tune out, calling out of work sick when a major project or presentation is due, or passing up a job opportunity that involves public speaking. And I'll just share this personally because I'm recording this episode today. And on my calendar today, I had two incredible podcast interviews with two people that I love and respect dearly. And my energy is different when I have interviews versus when I'm doing solo shows. And both of them had to cancel and reschedule. And there was a part of me that literally started to pack up my bag and go home. And then I caught myself literally retreating. And I was like, wait, I have a list of stuff. I have dental surgery tomorrow. I have a client coming to town. And I was like, oh, retreating. And luckily, I'd read this article yesterday. And I was like, oh my God, get back in. And I'm recording this podcast because I attempted to retreat and I caught it. And so instead of retreating, what do we do instead? Well, many times we rationalize our retreating behavior. We might say, I'm not afraid of heights. I just don't like roller coasters. Or no one will notice whether I attend or me was like, oh, I'll just do it tomorrow and disrespect the gap of time that God just created in front of me because there was a different plan for today. And so instead we shift our thinking. We identify one thought or fear, then ask yourself, and I love this, what data do I have to back this up? Or what would my best friend say in this situation? The empirical evidence you come up with can help you pull out of that harmful mindset. And I think an important distinction here is that when we catch these patterns, that's the breakthrough, right? I say awareness is the finish line because when you catch them and you can break check, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to stop or it's going to go away, but you have the ability in that moment to consciously choose what you do next. And for me, there was no fires at home. There was nothing happening. Whereas yesterday when I got a phone call and my calendar changed because we had two cars get into accidents in our driveway and another one gets stuck and I needed help Lindsay get out and all these different pieces. Even when I paused in that moment, I recognized that the work on my plate was not as important as a priority of the other things, but it was a conscious choice. And so my favorite part of retreating is the question, the frame of like, what would my best friend say in this situation? And so when we find ourselves doing this and whatever story we're telling ourselves, whatever that thing is that we're making up, we have to be able to take ourselves to court. We have to kind of cross-examine. We have to ask some questions, give ourselves some awarenesses that allow us to choose if this is in alignment to where we want to go. If like this behavior is aligned with what we said we wanted. If, if this measures up to, oh yeah, I said I wanted to create this in the future. Now that I catch myself retreating, oh, maybe I should pause for a minute and hit my floor of my wedge of expectations instead of my ceiling so I can protect that progress. But when we catch these patterns, they give us the ability to adjust. And so that's retreating. Number two is reacting. This one, <laughs> this was my favorite flavor. I'm not proud of it, but I'm proud of myself for being here now. But reacting, this could be sending out a flurry of text messages to get the last word in, getting a 10th opinion until you get one that aligns with your point of view, or yelling to get your point across, right? So instead of reacting, what do we do instead? Well, the first step is to pause. Then approach your discomfort rather than trying to eliminate it. And I wrote a scripture statement for this where I said, our job is not to eradicate our emotions. It's to build a relationship with them. Because it's only when we're fully embodied, meaning we can feel our emotions, we acknowledge that they're there, whatever they may be, and then in our heart and mind and our body, we choose to act regardless of what that may be, making sure that we're clear and committed to what we want to create. 
But the first step is to actually pause and it's to feel the feeling. And so if you receive a concerning prognosis from your doctor, and this is the author's words, for example, and you have a habit of spending hours searching for alternative explanations on the internet, try spending a minute or two just sitting there with the feeling and pausing and maybe asking questions to yourself or asking them on a piece of paper. Take a few deep breaths and try to name the sensations in your body. The problem might still be there, but you'll have a clearer head to deal with it. And that's where perspective comes in, right? And so I can say this personally because in my son's schooling, we're helping him being able to label his emotions or label his feelings. And I asked his director, Brooke, I was like, well, how do I do that? And she's like, we actually have to show him. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, do you ever get angry? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, well, what do you do? And I'm like, well, now I have models and I work on it. And she's like, I need you to talk it out loud. And I have to share that this has been one of the biggest breakthroughs for me personally, has been labeling my feelings and catching the pattern as an example for my son. And so I've had this happen and he'll be like, daddy, are you okay? And I'm like, actually, buddy, I'm feeling this sensation in my belly and it feels like this tickle and this boom. And then in breaking it down with him, I have the biggest perspective shift instantaneously. And I'm like, oh my God, holy moly. I'm so glad he asked me and pattern interrupted that, right? But really, we don't ever want to go into anything in a reactive state. All we're going to do is dig that hole deeper and deeper and deeper. Or even in the lens of like, for example, I've been overwhelmed at times. I'm like, oh my God, I haven't been in my inbox for 21 days. And there's so many things in there. And then this whole spiral of stuff comes up. Like, oh yeah, but what about this? And what about this? And what about this? Where the actual solution is just open it for 10 minutes and start to assess and go and not moving the starting line, but instead pausing. I'm like, okay, I feel overwhelmed. Okay, got it. Hmm. Okay, this is overwhelming. This could be this way. This could be this way. What am I feeling? And just acknowledging that feeling. And then choosing what my plan is or what my next behavior is starts by being able to be with that emotion. And so I've said this before, and I really genuinely believe this. And this is a muscle for me that I flex probably 100 times a day. Reacting is the number one shadow that still remains for me where I have the most subconscious triggers or default behaviors of things that catch me. And that's where I created these models, but these pauses and these presence, because I genuinely understand that if I can't be alone with my own emotions, that work is mine. And Stephen Furtick says this, he says, your joy is your responsibility. And my job is to ensure that when I'm triggered, when I'm off, when I have anything going on, that I don't bleed on other people. And reacting is a way that I've allowed temporary feelings to create permanent undesirable results in other people, in my son, in my daughter, in my friendships, in my family. And no one's perfect, but when I see it and when I catch it, I have a responsibility to acknowledge it and to shift it. And I never realized the biggest breakthrough was just naming it. And so what that looks like now is genuinely like being in conversations with Lindsay or my son. And I'm like, oh, buddy, oh, daddy is really, really upset right now. And I don't know where it's coming from. I'm going to take a minute. Or holy moly, what you just said created a feeling and I don't have any words to say. Is it okay if we breathe for a minute? And really just opening up the floodgate to be authentic in that moment, whether I'm with somebody or I'm with myself, I speak it out loud. 
And speaking out loud has been one of the biggest breakthroughs for me to catch the pattern, to have grace, acknowledge myself, and also celebrate the fact that I caught it, which means I just stopped myself from bleeding or reacting on myself or on anybody else. Let's anchor it in, let's celebrate it, and let's get back on the field, which then brings us to number three. And number three is remaining. And remaining is the deer in the headlights type of avoidance. It's the inclination to stay put in uncomfortable situations, like an unhealthy relationship or a job that is mentally and physically draining. We tell ourselves that the current situation isn't that bad or that it will all work out. And typically we remain where we are, avoiding the uncertainty of change. And this is what's crazy about a lot of the marketing books I recommend, including The Catalyst by Jonah Berger. He talks about how human beings get so much endowment to their current situation that a lot of times we have to perceive a benefit. I believe it's 2.5 times greater than our current situation to even be open to change. And truth is, if there's anything in my life that is out of alignment, it doesn't mean I cut it out like cancer, I'm rigid, but I get to acknowledge it and make adjustments to bring it back into integrity. And so the author says, when we're remaining, what do we do instead? Well, you identify what truly matters to you and take one small step every day to move in that direction. And I want to say this again, one small step every day. There's no finish line, not for 30 days, not for 60 days. It's one small step every single day until that becomes a part of you or until that's in alignment or until a new piece of clarity happens to prevent that, to make sure that you're focusing on what you value. And so if you value family, you would now schedule time to connect with your loved ones each day. If you have a creative dream, carve out a small piece of your schedule to devote it. Even five minutes before heading into work can make all the difference and be a catalyst for long-term growth and success. And so the big breakthrough for remaining is that there is no tomorrow. There is no next week. There's now. And now means... How can I bring this one small step into integrity or one step closer into what I value? And what can I consistently do protecting that, knowing that if I want a different result in the future, it starts by protecting these inputs consistently. And as the author says, (laughs) right at the top, take one small step every day to move in that direction. And also says to do that by identifying what truly matters. And the real answer to this is that nobody can tell you what truly matters except you. Nobody knows what your alignment is. Nobody knows what your heart feels. Nobody knows what lights you up and brings you joy. And nobody knows what takes and sucks that energy away except you. And this for me is like why I created the Alliance. But for me, the models that we give everybody in the beginning were the ones that I used on myself to genuinely understand this, to genuinely realize that if something's out of alignment, if something doesn't light me up and I continue to allow that to exist before I acknowledge it or make any adjustment whatsoever, I'm just continually poisoning myself and delaying the inevitable. And at the end of the day, it comes down to all of us. And for me, it came down to looking in the mirror and saying, what do I truly want? Like, who do I really want to be? And if I'm clear enough and aligned with that, then I have enough energy, momentum, and pride, excitement, joy, and evidence to make those deposits and take that small step every day. Not thinking there's a finish line, knowing that there isn't one, but every day I get to move it closer and closer. And even when I get into alignment, 
I still get to make deposits every day to hold it there because it's an active choice over and over and over again. And so I love now, after talking about this for 10 years and me reading 800 books and struggling all over that this incredible author put it down on paper to label the three ways in which we sabotage our success. And I can I can genuinely say that these are the three that I found and I'm grateful that they made it. And I'm glad that I found the fortune cookie now, but now I have simple reminders that I'm either retreating, reacting, or remaining. And the moment I catch that pattern, I can adjust. And so what happens after that point is up to us. But for me, it's nothing but excitement to know if I catch myself remaining. I'm like, oh, wait, there's a pattern here. Got it. Something's out of alignment. What do I want to adjust? I'm like, oh, I'm reacting. Pause. Label it. Take a breath, right? Or I'm retreating. And I get to acknowledge those. I get to celebrate myself. I get to current state myself on the map. And then I get to make an adjustment. And the only thing that's on my heart left to say today before I wrap the show, 20 minutes is a George record, by the way. It's pretty good to cram this much in, is that I don't ever want you to hear this or see this and think that I have it all figured out. I don't. (laughs) I don't. I'm in this just as much as you are. I'm in this every day. And the only thing I've learned is that the longer I'm in it, the bigger the gaps between the breakthroughs and uh, the sharpening of that sword required is so much deeper because these are the magic secrets. These are the things of really making sure that I'm doing everything in my power every day to live in my heart, to live in my values, to achieve the things I want to achieve. If I change, being willing to change what those things look like, to keep bringing things into progress as I grow. And so if I've ever made you feel that way, if I've ever spoken and said, well, you should or this, I apologize. And I'm very clear on my language and I have this filter with my heart now, but I just don't ever want anybody to think that I have it all figured out. These models work. They work for me. They've worked for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of my clients. But these labels, these avoidance traps, these sabotages of success tickle me greatly. And they're things that me and every single person I know live in every single day and use as tools. And so I'm here to be your teammate. I don't have your answers. I will show you what it looks like. I will tell you how I'm doing it. I will share how others are doing it. And the moment you pick them up and start running with it, I will be your teammate right next to you. And we will do everything in our power to support each other. And so I absolutely love you. I appreciate you immensely. I even wore a flannel today. I'm I'm on it. And so if you want to see me riding this ride and seeing me catch where I'm retreating or reacting or what was the other one? Remaining. I post about it on Instagram because I also realize that the more I share my truth authentically, the more freedom I have because this is the work that I get to do for the rest of my life. And this is what makes me happy. This is what brings me purpose. And this is what it feels like to be alive. And so I just refuse to live in the prison of my mind anymore and allow it to rob me of the joy, the magic, the moments that we can all create together when we are in alignment, when we are in the field and we realize that we're the ones with the keys to the car, we're the ones that drive it, we're the ones that shift it, and we're the ones that steer it. And so I love you to absolute pieces. I know you're going to have an incredible day and just know that you're loved. You always have a teammate and an ally in your corner, whether it's me or anybody on my team, we're here. Remember that relationships will always beat algorithms and I'll see you in the next episode or you'll hear me in your earballs. But either way, we out.